The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Messages of Hope. Well, hi, everybody. Oh, I hope you're having a good week, a good day. I know we're going to have a good hour here because I have a wonderful guest who's going to truly inspire you. And if you are going through a period of grief right now, my guest Paige Lee has some wonderful insights for you. Before we bring in Paige, I just want to let you know that I've been so busy this month with interviews and summits. And I thank those of you who've sent some wonderful feedback about the Beyond the Veil Summit and the Golden Thread Summit that I uh, participated in. I want to let you know that we have another wonderful uh, hour-long event coming up on November 11th with uh, an interview from Stephen Dynan, the head of the Shift Network, and me. I'm going to be talking about communicating soul to soul with those in spirit. If you want to attend that, you do need to register in advance, even though it's free. And you can do that by going to my website, SuzanneGeesman.com, and there's a banner right across the homepage to make it really easy for you. So I hope you'll join me for that, Communicating with the Spirit World, Soul to Soul. So I mentioned Paige Lee is my guest. I met her in person when Ty and I were traveling out west this summer. And we were in Boise, Idaho. We've been there several times before. And I just happened to be communicating with Elizabeth Boisson, the founder of Helping Parents Heal, which many of you know is one of my favorite organizations for helping shining light parents, bereaved parents find support. And uh, they support a belief in the afterlife and, and knowing that our kids who have passed are still right here. Just so you know, this show We're going to be talking about kids who have passed, but anybody who's grieving or wants to know about the afterlife, anything we say today will apply to any of your loved ones who have passed. So Elizabeth said, oh, if you have a chance to meet Paige, she lives in Boise and she's just wonderful. And anybody that knows Elizabeth can hear that in her voice. And so I reached out to Paige and we had connected in the past, but we actually got to meet and we went for a wonderful hike along the Greenway in Boise for about an hour and chatted. And I said, oh, Paige, I got to get you on the radio show. And she said that she had a book coming out. And I said, let's wait till your book is out. And the book is out. So we'll talk about her book, but we really want to hear the hard-earned wisdom that Paige has to share with us. So Paige, long introduction, but welcome. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much. I'm, I can't tell you, I'm just so grateful to you and happy to be here. Well, I just 
just clicked with you on that hike. It was uh, not just uh, uh, sharing the fact that we both uh, know what it's like to grieve someone deeply, but it's just that I understood that you really get this fact that we can communicate with our loved ones who have passed. And you shared some awesome experiences you've had with your son since he passed. And I just thrilled to share you again with everybody. So why don't we just, uh, I'm going to ask my team to guide me here because I have so many questions right off the bat. But of course, the most natural place to start is tell us why you wrote the book, Choose to Believe. Okay, so I, my son and I wrote the book together. Um, we we had we had a pact after he died to write this book and to tell our story, and so it's always been really at the back of my mind for since 2010. Brian died in 2008, and in 2010 was the first message you know that came through of uh, you know we could write a book together if you want. And so it's always been in the back of my mind. And so I've always been a note taker anyway. And uh, thankfully, in the first you know couple of years after Brian died, I journaled everything, um, which is, you know, so fortuitous, because had I not done that, I could have never remembered all of the details surrounding his death. So I had all of that. Um, and then just really, it, it was a need to tell our story. And the reason we wanted to tell our story is so that other parents could have hope and so that they could have maybe a little more ease in their journey, um, perhaps, than I had. You know, it's like I I feel like if we share our story, it can make somebody else's journey a little bit easier. And um, you know, as well as I do, and I'm sure many of your listeners here today know how devastating grief is always and particularly in the case of losing a child when you have a child die for me brian was my only living child and so it was kind of like what do i what do i do now if i can't be brian's mom i i don't even know like i couldn't comprehend life without him and so when my journey unfolded as it did which i tell the story in the book and um, i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit today it became clear to me that the only path toward healing my grief was going to be toward finding was going to be finding him in the afterlife so that's what we did and then we wrote a book about it (laughs) yeah and your book though is so much more than your story page i love how you have turned it into an instructional book as well the second half or the latter half is is about tools for connecting with your loved one and for finding joy again which so we'll get to that but you did an excellent job of sharing the, the devastation that you went through. You didn't pussyfoot around it, and yet it wasn't so much so that it was too painful to read. You found that perfect balance. So always at the risk of taking you back to that, but I'm sure you've gone through this the, the worst day in your life m- many times. Would you just share so with they- us how Brian passed? Sure. So Brian uh, was 23 when he died. He was one of those kids always that um, 
he always wanted the best in life. He, you know, every award, every, um, you know, acknowledgement that he earned throughout his life, and there were many because he was an outstanding student, an outstanding athlete, you know, really popular, just one of those kids, right? And um, mm-hmm. But he always wanted more and more and more. He was very driven to achieve greatness in his life. And so we all had, you know, many high hopes, right, for, for what he would become and what he would do with his life. And... Um, when he was graduating from high school, he applied to Duke University in North Carolina, and uh, he was waitlisted and uh, didn't didn't make it in on the first cut. And so he really wanted to have, um, you know, that high academic college experience. And so he decided to apply for military academy appointments. And so he did with our congressional um, group here in Idaho. And he received, I think, six, five or six different appointments to different academies. And he chose West Point and off he went. And, you and, know, and I, I just need to interrupt you a second there because that is no easy yeah. feat to get an appointment to no. even even one appointment. The congressmen are limited in how many they can give. You have to have the academics, the the Right. Sports, he, everything. He was a presidential it's just, scholar award. To, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, just it's just yeah. very challenging. So that in itself is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, he received, I think it was three appointments to West Point, two to Air Force, and one to Navy. And um, and that's right, you're ex-Navy. My dad was Air Force. Uh, my dad was Lieutenant Colonel Air Force, so he couldn't have been more proud, right? Mm-hmm. So anyhow, Brian chose West Point, and off he went. And um, and he, honestly, he just did not like it, which I could have told him he wouldn't like it, but, you know, we can't tell our children these things. <laughs> you know, they're mm-hmm. out there to, to learn and explore on their own. And he did not like it. So he he was given um, an honorary discharge after a year and a half. And he came back and he spent one semester at a school in Colorado while he applied to USC, University of Southern California in Los Angeles, California. And he was accepted. And so he went there. He finished his economics degree, which was, I think he was only one year out. So he finished that. And, um, and then while he was there, he developed a passion for film and wanted to be a director of film. And uh, so he applied to the film school, which is quite prestigious organization um, at the at the college there. And he was accepted into that. And so he stayed and he completed one year into that program. And then he was in his last semester of that program to receive, you know, that second bachelor degree when he was out one evening and had had a couple of beers, uh, was with two friends, and they were walking home to their apartment, which was just off campus at, in, uh, at, at the university, and um, just kind of, he, he, it's just silly. He slammed the gate, and that disgruntled somebody that was inside of the gate, and they came running out and started a fight, and one thing led to another, and you know, they, Brian thought it was settled, and he and his friends were walking away when the man ran into his mother's apartment, came back out with a knife, ran up to Brian, one blow to the chest, which nobody knew it was a knife because nobody saw the knife, but ran up through one final blow to Brian's chest and then ran back to his apartment. And so Brian and his friends are just like, whatever, dude, you know, let us go. You know, I could just hear Brian saying that (laughs) just Mm -hmm. that way. And they were walking across the street when he, all of a sudden he just stopped and he kind of grabbed his chest and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm bleeding. I think I've been stabbed. And then he collapsed and died in the ambulance. So, yeah. So, yeah. You know, 
it's so it was so sudden. It was so unexpected. It was so um, unnecessary, right? It was unprovoked right. on his part, and um, but but you can't focus on that. You know, I, I when I was with helping parents heal the other night, and this uh, beautiful soul who was in the audience asked, you know, what do you what do you do about the fact her child had been murdered, and what do you what do you do about that? How do you live with that? And my answer was, you know, I never. I never thought about him. I don't hate him. It's never been about him. From the moment Brian died, it's only been about him. And how can I find him? And how can I have a relationship with him? Because I couldn't imagine life without him. So it's either I'm not going to continue life or I'm going to continue life in a way that allows me to find him and to still have him be a part of my life because that's all I knew. I didn't know how to do anything different. So I don't let... If I could... uh... I found the chapter that you wrote about dealing with the fact that this was preventable, that this was murder. This is you're the first guest I've had on the show that has had anybody in the family pass after being murdered. And you dealt with that so beautifully in your book that I want to get into that in the second half of the show because it's important. And you bring up some beautiful points. But uh, I would like to just ask you to go into a little bit of your grief journey and what turned it around. This is some of my favorite stories. I love, I love, (laughs) I love talking about this. And can I tell you the reason I love talking about this and I'm so passionate about it is, is for what we said earlier. I really feel like we can help other people by shining our light and sharing our stories. And you know, when you heal, I heal. And when I heal, you heal. and, And that's what we're here to do. So, um, Three weeks before Brian died, I had a dream, and um, in that dream, my grandmother had come to me, and she was this beautiful, angelic-like, uh, per, you know, spirit in the dream, and I was seated at her feet, and all I remembered vividly, however, is her saying, it's okay, darling, you'll be with us soon. And I, that, that was all I remembered. Um, and I woke up and I went, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Like, oh, no, I'm too young. I was 49. And I said, I'm just, I don't want to die. I'm too young. But I believed the dream. I knew it was a visit from my grandmother because it was so vivid and so real. It wasn't just a dream. And so I just started to get my fears in order. And then three weeks later, when Brian died, I was like, oh, that's what it was, you know. And yeah, I, I was I so impressed in that really book. You re- yeah. In your book, you, you really took that seriously. You got your, your, all your papers in order. It, it was, yeah, yeah. stunning. Yeah. Well, my poor husband, he'd be lost. <laughs> I was like, I gotta, gotta get things fixed up so that he can like function after I'm gone. <laughs> and, but I know um, that the spirit world does see certain things happening. It's just like my stepdaughter came to me before she passed, and you look back and you say, yeah, hmm. that's right. So, yeah. Please go. Well, and it's later, right? I think that we look back, or I don't know about for you. For me, it it was a little bit later. But, well, three weeks after Brian died then, I was lying on my bed one day, and I heard out loud with my ears, Mom! You know, I heard him call out to me. And and I just, I was not asleep. It was not, you know, bedtime. I was just laying, resting on my bed. My eyes were, they may have been closed, I don't know. But I heard it out loud with my ears, and I jumped up in that moment, and I said, Oh, my gosh, where are you? Like, I heard you, I heard you. And, and I knew three things. That was the moment that launched my, my healing journey, my spiritual journey, uh, my journey toward finding Brian, my journey toward finding myself, all of the things that have evolved over the last 12 years. It all started with that 
in that moment when Brian called out to me, Mom, and I heard it out loud. Yeah, so let's stop a second there because you just you just encapsulated like several chapters of the Im- immense grief you were in, not knowing how you would ever go on, how you were going to live. And the way you describe that moment, there's just no doubt in your mind that was him. No doubt. Absolutely not. It sounded a little bit like his younger voice, but I knew it was Brian. I knew it was Brian. I, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind. And so I knew, I knew he was still alive. I just didn't know where the heck he was. I didn't have a, a, a belief. I, had, I believed in the afterlife in, in, in the sense that I believed that when we die, we go to heaven, right? But I didn't know where heaven was. I didn't understand any of it. Um, I just had this really vague belief in the afterlife. So I was like, oh my gosh, you're alive. I, I have to find you. And I promised him that I would find him. And so I became a seeker of all things. And that's how I found him. So some of you listening right now will say, I identify with this. I mean, our last two shows were about after-death communication, and you just had a, a beautiful one that you know in your heart, that's him. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's talk about oh, – there were a couple really wonderful other ADCs, after-death communications that he gave you that others witnessed as well. Didn't something move or well, something like- fell? Well, we've had we had so many, and I, I it seems as though spirit in the first couple of years after their passing, it seems like they're very active in trying to get messages to us. So mm-hmm. we had all of that crazy kind of stuff happen, like TV would come on and off by itself. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the book is uh, Mother's Day one year, the first year after he died, actually. That's the one. And yeah. it's kind of a long story that I won't go into, but but the meta. The, the meditation led me to basically finding a card that he had written for me when he was a young boy on Mother's Day. Um, but they pulled in meditation for that um, evidence. They pulled in the television with a message, you know, message on the television saying, hurry, offer in soon, because I wasn't acting. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> acting on the signs they were giving me. It's like you walk back in the room and it says, hurry, the TV's frozen, right? And on the screen are the words, hurry, offer in soon. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and, Go uh, meditate. And like we that. found this card. God would come on. What's that? It, it was like you had to go find this card, but you didn't realize that was happening. Well, so, okay, I'll just tell the story. I'll try to make it brief. But um, so I, I was meditating and crying and, you know, first Mother's Day without Brian and what it was going to be a horrible day. <laughs> and so I said, well, I'm going to try to meditate and calm my, my mind and my spirit. And, uh, and in doing that, I kept hearing, first I kept seeing little hearts kind of floating around all over in my consciousness. And then I kept hearing, read God's word, read God's word. And I'm like, you know, I own a Bible. I, you know. It's, it's not my normal thing to pick up my Bible and read it daily, but I do own a Bible. I was raised Presbyterian. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. And that's when I finally came out of the meditation after these little hearts wouldn't go away. And then I went out into the garage for something, and I come back in the house, and the TV, which I, I guess was on. I don't remember it being on during the meditation. I think it was on, but the sound was off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and the TV was frozen and they're on the TV or the words hurry offer and soon. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So, okay. So I'll do it. So I went into my bedroom and I re- 
retrieved my Bible and I opened it up and there's this there's this card, it was something in it, a card, and so I, I moved it out of the way so that it wouldn't interfere with where I opened the Bible, right? And I'm mm-hmm. opening the Bible and I'm like, No, this doesn't resonate and you know, I tried it again and no, this doesn't resonate. And, you so know, you think that the word that's gonna be given to you from the Bible is something written in the Bible. Yeah, a scripture, yeah. right? I think it's gonna be a scripture. And I'm like, No, that doesn't mean you know, not that it doesn't mean anything ever, but to me at this moment it doesn't resonate. That's not my message. So then after two attempts, I closed the Bible, I set it down, I picked up this card that I had set aside because it was in my way, and lo and behold, it was a handwritten Mother's Day card from Brian from when he was a young boy, and he had drawn little red hearts all over it. Uh. Which is just like you saw in your meditation. Yeah. I love that. See, our loved ones have the bigger picture. You were just guided. And it's funny how you kind of went kicking and screaming that time. Yeah, well, I've done that many times. <laughs> not going to lie. Not going to lie. I haven't been a quick learner. It's like part of me really embraced all of it, but I'm just one of those people that I, I still carried a lot of doubt along the way. And so uh, maybe later when we get to that part of it, if you're interested, I can tell you how that came about where I quit doubting. and, and Oh, let's just do it right now. That feels okay. right. Okay. Okay. Well, I just, you know, I just still years into my journey, even after I had, you know, explored so much and taken a lot of classes and received a lot of certifications and, you know, really had reading books and everything I can learn about the afterlife and all of the signs that Brian has sent me and messages through mediums. And still, you know, sometimes there's just that nagging doubt. And one day in meditation, I heard, just stop, just choose to believe, choose to believe that it's real. And I was like, oh, I could do that. (laughs) Like, I could do that. I can just choose to believe that it's all real and then see what happens. And everything changed. Everything broke wide open after that. And, you know, didn't take very long at all before I wasn't just choosing to believe. I truly did and do believe 100%, no reservation, no, you know, hesitation, no doubts anymore at all about any of it. Oh, now see, this is where we pause and we ask all of you listening to study your own thoughts. I have so many people come to me, Paige, that say, I just can't believe, I just can't get over that hump. And that is the key that you gave right there, just Say, I choose to believe. And your words in the book just jumped right out at me. That's when everything broke wide open. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful. So big takeaway from that. And when you say broke wide open, how how did things change? Did you start getting more signs or you just, what shifted? It was a, um, deeper connection with Brian. Our communications became more meaningful. I started having um, much more, um, uh, I guess just meaningful is the word, um, experiences in meditation. Um, Just my, my, I started to really learn more about who I am, the work that Brian and I are here to do. You know, I say work loosely, right? It's it's a pleasure mm-hmm. to be able to tell our story and to help mm-hmm. people. Um, but I just really started to embrace all of that. And so he he is by my side and guiding me all of the time. And 
part of the process in, so, for, you know, the, the first part of that process was choosing to believe. The second part of it, which really three parts, the second part was really letting go of the pain because that is a huge, huge hurdle for anybody who's grieving the death of somebody they love. In my case, my son. It's like I really worried that if I let go of the pain, I would be letting go of him because the pain was all I had left. That's what I thought, right? The pain well, so is many all I have left, that, yep. so I can't let go of that. And, um, you know, so choosing to believe, letting go of the pain, and then lastly, choosing to meet him where he is now, letting go of the physicality of my expectations of what he should look like. And, you know, that can I, I feel him in energy form even though I can't touch his physical body, I have felt his energy. So, I mean, like physically felt the energy, right? And you can mm -hmm. feel the heat in your hands. It's just the most wonderful. And, and he, I'll tell you later, perhaps, how he communicates with me now. And the physicality of that is, is way beyond the turning the TV on and off, right? Yeah. Well, All can you do that in two too? minutes before the break? I don't want to rush you, but I want to hear. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I didn't know what your what your plans for the for the no hour plans. Were. We're just flowing. Um, okay. Well, basically, he basically he just senses energy and sh and and it moves through me. So his energy will come in. I call it my Brian hug, and it mm -hmm. comes in and it just travels, kind of like a Reiki energy would um, or a God energy. But it comes in and it travels through my body, and and I. Physically, my body will be tingling. Um, the last time it happened, it was so strong. I had I literally dropped my phone. <laughs> I was on the phone oh. with somebody, and we were talking about Brian, and they were telling me an experience that they had with Brian. And all of a sudden, it, this, it just came over me and just yeah. ran through my entire body, and it was so strong. I had to drop the phone and just – I was like, wait a minute, just a minute. And I have to just stop Brian's and let here. it go through <laughs> me because it's so strong. Yes, Brian's here. Hold on. <laughs> so. I love it. I love that. I love that too. And that tell us again everybody. what got you to that point, letting go of the pain. Well, so for me, the whole journey has been about being a seeker of everything that I didn't understand. And I understood nothing. So I have a lot of work to do. And grieving is hard work. And so it's really letting go of my expectations, being curious, uh, determination. I was not going to stop until I found him. I, I absolutely was not going to stop. And uh, meditation, though, if I had to say one tool, because as you say, my book does lay out my entire healing journey. It's only yeah. a couple of chapters about how he died, and the rest of the book is about the journey. So um, all of the tools that I lay out in the book, they all helped me get here. But I think the number one most powerful tool for me has been meditation. No doubt. And that's what we're going to start with after the break. I don't want to rush okay. you on that one. But by the way, before we break, you do have a seeker's toolbox. So for those of you who say, I want to know where she went and what she found, it's the appendix yes. in your book, Choose to Believe, the seeker's toolbox with the list of books that helped her very much. So a good place for you to start if you're looking. So we're going to come back and talk about meditation, the other tools, and how she dealt with the anger after her son was murdered.
Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hey, we're having such a, a powerful conversation with Paige Lee. She's the author of Choose to Believe, a story of miracles, healing, and the afterlife. And she co-wrote it with her son, Across the Veil, which I just love. We can talk about that without worrying that people find that weird because you and I know it's truth, Paige. We promised everybody we'd come back and talk about meditation. Everything in your book is a brief introduction to the different things that work in helping to heal, helping to connect across the veil. You don't go into great depth, but it's just enough to whet people's appetites to say, I want to try that. And I have to tell you all that when I read just the beginning of her chapter on meditation, Paige, you shared a download that you got when you closed your eyes and these words came through you. I said, this is automatic writing because the words, when I read them, they carry that energy that I recognize. And I know this came from higher consciousness. Tell us about your meditation practice, how it opened up for you. Okay. Um, thank you so much. So I had learned early in the journey, one of the first things I did probably even four months after Brian died, as early as that, I signed up for psychic development classes with a medium who lives in my community. And um, so through him, I started to learn about meditation. And I'm like, oh, I should try this. So in the beginning, I used um, a free, um, uh, ah, what's the word? Where they were led by somebody else. <laughs> oh, guided meditations, right? Guided, thank you, my goodness. Um, guided meditations, just some that I had found on the internet or here or there, or, or you know, David's meditations, the gentleman I was working with. And um, and I did those for a while, but I never got very far because I, I would always end up crying and being a big sobbing mess, and I would have mm -hmm. to stop, and then the next day I would try again. And I really did this for a long time. It took me quite a while before I got to where I could, you know, I always say I, you know, go... Um, over the bridge and through the meadow and then you get to the big door and you have to open the door and then I would just cry so hard I couldn't get through and one day I got through the door and then one day I got to the beach and then one day you know I actually saw Brian approaching me through the fog and, um, and, and that's that just was a great point that you make there if I could interrupt because so many yeah. people think it's going to be instant results bells and whistles right away but it's that driving desire to connect with your son that kept you coming back again and we all you know so many of us can identify with that so stick yes. with again it again and again 
And there's so many there's so many apps now that people can use that I didn't have available to me then or I wasn't aware of them. But there's so many ways now for people to access meditation that I really I think it's you, you know how powerful it can be. And there's many different there's connection meditations. There's just, you know, sitting with your God meditations. There's so many different ways to 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 study the practice. And we have some even on my website on the gifts page, several that people have good results with. But what I found so wonderful is you found that once you got used to the practice, it actually helped you in the moment of having a grief crisis, a meltdown. Yes. So it really is. It really was one of my tools. Well, partly as a preventative and as an in the moment. So if I was having, for instance, some one day I lost Brian's necklace. He, he, I had bought him a necklace in Greece and um, he wore it every day. And um, I used to just, I used to wrap it around my arm after he died around my wrist and wear it as a bracelet. One day I lost that and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I absolutely you know, was panicked about it. And I'm just sure. the littlest things as an early grieving parent, you know, the littlest things would just set us off. And um, I finally was like, Oh, okay, just let, let me meditate about it. And I did. And I meditated and I got still and I got quiet. And then I just knew, you know, you feel that peace come over you of, it's okay, you will find it, you know, it will show up. And then of course, it did. So mm-hmm. that's an example of how I used meditation if I was in a moment of panic during my my journey, my grief healing journey. Um, Sometimes I call it my grief journey, but I mostly call it my grief healing journey because I feel like the entire journey from the beginning has been one of healing. And I'm so grateful, you know, to my to my Brian and to my team and all of the teachers who, you know, have been put on my path along the way. Um, and to and to myself and my higher, you know, my my soul for answering the call to like stay on that path. Thank goodness I did. And I just Boy, want people you. to know that. Yeah, I just want people to know that if they do that, if they stay on that path, there it's it's the rewards are incredible. Well, that leads us right into the, the next chapter in your book, which I really wanted to focus on, and I promised we would get to this. You know, you, your son was murdered. And that leads to a, a different quality of pain, I believe, because there are other factors, outside factors involved here. And mm. you have a chapter called Finding Joy. I find this interesting because that's the word I use for source, for awareness, for for God, joy. So it's kind of synonymous oh, yeah. here. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about that because the first page of this chapter, Finding Joy, you say that you were having these most amazing com connections with your son still there was the pain i was stuck in my story of pain would i ever find joy again and i know that's what a lot of people listening today are wondering so what do you say to that well the answer to that is yes (laughs) yes you can find joy again um but it's but it, it does require some work on your part and part of the Part of the issue with murder, if you want me to speak to that directly, was I would, that please. somebody, you know, somebody else took my son's life, right? He, I, <clears throat> so somebody else that I didn't know was responsible for that. So it was easy to allow that that fact to justify my anger and my grief, right? So that I mm-hmm. I didn't have to deal with it because I wasn't responsible for it, or um, um, it just it just was an easy way to stay angry. And um, 
And so because I was angry, I couldn't find joy. And so I became really obsessed with that. I was like, well, I, I know where you are. I have found you, but how do I, how do I take, how do I take everything I know and really embody that and become, become joyful again? Because that was the missing piece in my life. And so I, you know, I'm a true, true believer in what we put out into the universe. The answers will come. And, um, and they did through, you know, by way of a new teacher. Um, but I think the real, for me, um, one day my husband says to me, uh, Paige, you didn't die. Brian died. And I was hmm. like, oh, my gosh, like, how dare you? How dare you say that to me? Um, but it, but you it know, I want to stop you there because when you wrote that in the book, I, I recognized that that immediate reaction of anger. You know, he says, Paige, you didn't die. Brian died. And you just immediately get yeah. your back up. And I, yeah. I just want everybody to recognize when we get that kind of defensive reaction, there is always a lesson in it for us. So what was yes. the lesson yeah. in that angry reaction, Paige? So the lesson was, was that he was right. And that People still needed me. There were people in this in this earthly world um, who still need me, and he needed me, and my grandchildren need me, and my my friends need me, and my you know my other children need me. And it's not that they just need me, but also the realization that they are grieving Brian too. And I always like to say because it's so true that grief is so selfish. It's so selfish, and and it should be selfish. It's it's we have a right to be selfish with our grief. But at some point, um, it's important to remember that there are other people, not only who are grieving him, but who need our love and support, but who also need us as well. And so it was just time for me to kind of come back to the living. I've always said that I've had one foot in this world and one foot, you know, in heaven since the day he died. And mm -hmm. I like being I like being there. Um, but it's important to keep one foot here for that very reason. Does that make sense? Oh, it sure does. Mm -hmm. And then you funneled that that more positive energy into what? Your family. Well, you yeah, talk in your book about family. your granddaughter and how that really helped you with your healing. Oh yes, yes. So well, yeah. I had a year after Brian died, I had asked our daughter if I could start babysitting little Taylor every Friday, and um, so for eleven years, I, I they call me Gana, and for eleven years it was Gana Day, and um, we just have had the best time. COVID has put a put a stop to that, unfortunately, temporarily, <laughs> but we'll we'll have those days back. So they are the lights of my life. Let me tell you. <laughs> but you said that you know the one of the challenges that people dealing with a murder or suicide ooh, ooh. face is yeah. they ask you know why did this happen you know what is yeah. your alternative to that question so i it really it what i realized was it isn't about how he died what I realized was the fact is, the fact remained, no matter how he died, whether it had been murder or suicide or an illness or a car accident, that he was still dead. He was still gone, no matter how he went. And because I never allowed his killer to really invade my consciousness, I just never allowed that. Um, mm -hmm. And I, there is a story behind that about why I think that might have been the case that I didn't even write about in the book. But um um, but because of that, let's see, oh, um, I was able to really think about 
if the fact that it doesn't matter how he died is true, then what really mattered is how can I find him now, right? How can I still right. have a relationship with him? So that's really just how I, how I moved past that. Anger is, I've never been angry at him, I, the man who killed Brian. Anger will hold us back. Anger, and, and it, it'll hold us back from our healing. And so we have to feel it. We have to release it. We have to walk through it. Um, in my case, um, I just, for instance, I tell a story in the book about how we get checks from the prison for the work that he does in prison every now and oh. again. And I used to get really angry about that. And it's like, what do you mean my son's life is worth $26? You know, because I would get like $24 a month or $30 a month. They don't come now very often at all. He is still in prison. I don't know why, you know, they don't come. But they made me so angry and I used to throw oh, yes. them away. And then, you know, my husband said, listen, <laughs> Let's do this. Let's turn this into something good. And let's give this money to a girl we know who Brian knew. Um, to, and she's in college. And we'll give this to help with her expenses. So that's what we did for years. We just mm-hmm. gave her the money. And she loved it. It was coffee money or dinner money for her, just extra spending money. And it took that anger away. So I think anything, anything we can do to remove the anger and set our hearts back into that love space and into that space of moving forward into healing. We want to stay in healing mode all the time. And it's like, stop and ask yourself, is this, <laughs> is this bringing about more love in me? Or is this bringing about hurt and anger? Because if it's hurt and anger, we can't move forward in our healing. And you can't connect with your loved one. That's, That's the correct. point you make That's in the right. book that I have it underlined and four you know, big stars yeah. in, yes. the, in, the, yes. in the margin here. And it says, when you're yes. ready to set your story aside, you'll be opening the door to allow your healing on a deeper level and to allow your loved one to communicate with you much more easily. Grieve, yes. So absolutely feel it, but accept what is, is, you wrote. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, do you feel, you, you agree that with me on that? I feel like oh, we yeah. have to do that in order to feel them. And, you know, every little, every little decision that we make on our journey you know every day is a choice every day we choose to believe one thing or another um, about our situation and about why this happened to us and people are going to be on their own journey and they're going to um, they're going to discover their own truths about what they believe about why things have happened in their life for me I just I just it's like I just, I could see the end. I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I, my vision was always set on that light at the end of the tunnel. So I worked my way through all of that messiness. And there's so much messiness and grief. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's and so I messy. really don't want to downplay this fact. You have every right at the human level to be angry. And you should not feel bad for feeling that anger at all. But it's that acceptance after yeah. you feel it that made the difference. Yeah, I had a dream um, when we were in Los Angeles for the trial, and I, I had a very, you know, kind of profound dream where the roles were reversed, and Brian had killed the man, and mm. in communication with his mother in the dream, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that my son did this to your son, and, you know, and and so then when I saw her in the courtroom the next day, I had so much compassion for her that I hadn't had prior, right? You know, because we can always think, oh, well, it, it just it just changed. It flipped me, and it it eased my heart a little bit because 
in this, you know, anything can happen. It could have gone differently. You know, wow. they, they were engaged in a fight. It could have gone differently. Maybe Brian could have killed him. I don't know. Although Brian had no weapon, <laughs> he was weaponless. But, you know, it's like you just, so being able to see it from her heart, because it really was a heart-to-heart exchange with her in that dream, and being mm-hmm. able to see it, you know, from her heart and from her eyes, I think gave me a whole different outlook on it. So I wouldn't say I've never been angry at him. Of course I have. Of course I've been angry. Of, of course. course I was mad that my son was gone. Um, but it's really just choosing to not let that run my life. And there's that word again, choosing. You chose to believe, and then you chose to not let that run your life. And then when in that same chapter on on finding joy, when your husband said to you, you didn't die, Brian died, you wrote, you chose to live. Would you just talk about that choice, please? Yeah. I, you know, there were numerous times throughout my grief journey where I, I had to choose whether I was going to live or die. And um, in the case that you're referring to, it was not quite as um, before when I had to make the choice to, to live or die. Um, in my chapter on pain and suffering, I talk about this. And it's, it's really one of my favorite chapters because, um, you know, I think that when we're telling our story, we have, to, we have to be raw and we have to be authentic. And I realized that I couldn't release the book without letting everybody know that I know what it's, I know the pain that grips us to the point where we consider suicide. I I think we all, I don't know if we all do, but I would be surprised if any parent who has had a, you know, living with the death of a child would tell you that it didn't cross their mind at one point Mm -hmm. or another. Maybe I will kill myself and go join my child um, because the pain is so deep and that's all we want is to be with them again. And, and I had to go through that too. And I, I had a time where I, um, I, I, I don't even know if I want to say I attempted, you know, to suicide, but I definitely took the steps toward that action. And I, I, I believe that on, on a higher soul level, I think I knew that I wasn't actually going to go through with it, but in some kind of weird way, I had to test myself to prove that to myself so that I could put those thoughts to rest about suicide. It simply was not to be my path. It was not to be my journey. I had a whole different, you know, road that I was going to take with this grief healing. Um, so, but, but it taught me that we certainly can't judge. We can't judge anybody who might make that decision. Um, but if people choose a different path, there are, um, there are so many rewards down the road if we hang in there. And, and here you are now with this book that's going to help grief, so, right? so many. Yeah. Well, so so let's talk about uh, therapy. I read about you going to a counselor. Somebody said, you know, go to a grief counselor. And I I just recalled my incident (laughs) just like yours. We went to a traditional therapist and I remember going to a few sessions and feeling worse when I came out and get saying this person just doesn't get this. They don't have a child who passed. They don't understand it all. And you had that experience. But then you found healing through what you call alternative healing. And we don't talk about that too much on the show, so I'd love if you share some of that. And your, uh, did you struggle with alternative healing, and how did that work for you? 
I was a sponge. <laughs> I literally <laughs> was a sponge. So everything that somebody taught, if somebody mentioned something to me and I didn't know what it was, I was looking it up and, and exploring it more and finding out more about it. Um, for a short while, I had a grief uh, healing center that I had opened in Boise, and I was uh, doing Reiki treatments for people because I had become Reiki certified. So that that's first and foremost um, one of my alternative healing methods um, that I was first introduced to was Reiki. And, and it um, worked so well for you that you became a Reiki practitioner, I right? I did. I love <laughs> Reiki. And and also, there, well, there's other forms of energy healing, too. Pranic healing is one that I explored. Reiki um, Reiki was kind of it for me. That was what I chose. And so I practiced Why? Why? That. What did it do for you? Um, the Reiki energy is so, so Reiki energy is, Reiki is divine energy that is transmitted through the practitioner into the person um, the the patient, I guess, if you will. Um, although it's not really a patient, it's kind of like getting a massage, but you're, you know, you're laying on a massage bed, but you're fully clothed. And uh, the Reiki practitioner, some use hands-on, some do not. I do. I prefer the hands-on transmittal of the energy. Um, and so it's really just divine energy passing through the practitioner. So the practitioner isn't healing you divine is healing you and so the divine energy goes into the body and um, goes where it needs to go and but your first experience of that you you didn't go for any physical healing what did you experience emotional healing so so what what i experienced was being inside of a crystal (laughs) which and and just that energy not only the energy of the crystal but the energy of the divine just running through me and around me and became a part of me just like brian's hugs do now Mm. and um and it was just and i just woke up and i just felt like i had been healed in a way that I had never experienced before. And so um, a lot of Reiki practitioners use crystals in their healing. And even though the one that I was being treated by did not, the fact that I was taken to the inside of a crystal during that treatment um, really intrigued me about another form of healing, which is crystal healing. And um, there's, there's, there's magic to crystals. Every, each crystal has its own healing property, um, and it, and they really do work. I mean, for this is, um, this is funny, uh, Paige, because this is and, you know even in your book you talk about oh I, even as you were having these treatments you're thinking this is a little woo woo and I'm laughing because I was the yes. exact same yes. way. But what works here yes. is again saying I choose to believe. You were open to it, and the results are tangible. You can't deny them. Yeah, I was open to anything and everything, you guys. I mean, I've had different types of hands-on physical therapy stuff. Um, I still see an energy worker. She's not a Reiki practitioner. I don't know what she does or how she does it, but she's amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I still see her, you know, sometimes weekly, sometimes, you know, biweekly. Um, there's just, there's so much out there that's available to us. And what I found early on is that traditional medicine was not going to be my cure. It wasn't going to be my path. And so I, so I started seeking out everything else, um, to find out if that could help me because I wanted to be discerning everybody listening and, and really try a word of mouth referrals from others. You will ask through your heart to be guided to somebody who will guide you to just the right healer. If you're interested in pursuing this, be discerning. And some of it is very powerful. 
Oh, and discernment, by the way, that's huge. That is so huge. Discernment is is big. So please, Talk about people, that. do do your homework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So how well, do you just, communicate just, with Brian now? What's your relationship with him like? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm sitting here right now in a chair um, in front of my fireplace, and I'm looking up at his picture, which, you know, sits on the, on the mantle above the fireplace. And he's, he, his, his presence overlooks <laughs> the whole room and our whole house, and he's just a part of it, and he's a part of us. And, um, you know, if, if, if I ever move his picture, somebody will walk in the house, and they'll be like, well, where's Brian? <laughs> because <laughs> for everybody that walks into my home, he is a part of it still. And um, he's with me all the time. Sometimes I feel him tickle the top of my head. Um, sometimes, you know, he still sends us ladybugs on occasion, he sends me these Brian hugs, which are probably my favorite uh, form of communication from him. Um, he does help me in my work um, when I'm in session with somebody. He, um, in fact, I, there's a funny story in the book about when I was in session with, I, was, I meditate prior to session, and I was tapping into a spirit energy. I'm not a medium like you, um, but I do tap into, I, I am intuitive, highly intuitive, and I tap into spirit kind of just enough to see what I can do to help people make the connection on their own, Mm -hmm. um, briefly explaining what that is. And um, in this one meditation where I was preparing for a client, Brian said, you know, Mom, we could do this for a living and we could call it Love Letters from Heaven. And I said, (laughs) okay, that was weird, whatever. And I never wrote it down. I never, I'm like, okay, Brian, you know, thanks. And um, years later, at, at a conference, a, a AREI conference in Arizona, um, Suzanne Wilson was on stage, and I was lucky enough to be a recipient of a reading from her. And when it was all over, and I was sitting down, and she says, love letters from heaven. And I said, what? <laughs> and I jumped up, and I'm like, what did you say? And she says, love letters from heaven. And I... Um, I told her years later, I said, do you remember Love Letters from Heaven? And she goes, yes, I've always wondered who that was. And I'm like, well, that was me. (laughs) And um, I mean, the fact that Brian told her Love Letters from Heaven as a way to yet again prove to me, not that I had any doubts at that point, um, that that this is all real, you guys. This is all real. And there's no way. I never even told my husband about that that statement that Brian had made that day. We could call it Love Letters from Heaven. So I love that. I love that. And I love that I love he's that. so present in my life. And he, he walks with me every day, and sometimes he messes with me. And, you know, most of the time now we just, uh, you know, we, we have a mission to get our story out and to tell the world and to try to help make people's life a little bit easier. They're, they're well, you've done a beautiful journey. job of it today, Paige, and I'm sorry that we're out of time, but you have certainly helped to give hope to others, and I highly suggest you run out and read Choose to Believe. Beautiful tools. Thank you so much, Paige. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.